Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. Oh, my. Fasten your seatbelts. I usually say that at the end of the show. No, I'm saying it at the beginning. I have a quote from Daniel H. Wilson, New York Times bestselling author, TV host, and robotics engineer. He is a contributing editor to Popular Mechanics magazine called The Resident Roboticist. That gives you a clue. And he wrote the book, How to Survive a Robot Upper. Where's my jetpack and how to build a robot army? That's a clue. Here's the quote. You're going to love this. The robots really embody that love-hate relationship we have with technology. Daniel H. Wilson, I think that says it all. So let me go to the news, breaking news. Did any of you see the recent headline? I'm quoting this. Cameras capture sad security robot as it drowns itself in the fountain. This is not fake news. There is a security robot assigned to the Washington Harbor Complex in Georgetown. He was named Steve. He's a Nightscope K5 model. He has cameras. He looks like R2-D2 from Star Wars. He's a charmer. He poses for selfies in the social media. He's designed to automatically detect threats in the environment using video cameras, thermal imaging, proximity sensors, GPS, microphones, light detections, and LIDAR ranging. Oh, my. He was thought of as a more reliable option compared to real guards. And guess what? Steve and his robots earned $7 an hour. Oh, my. But one day he took a plunge in the pool outside the office building and quote-unquote committed suicide. A quote on Twitter that day by an office employee at the building said, Our D.C. office building got a security robot. It drowned itself. We were promised flying cars. Instead, we got suicidal robots. So we have a bunch of questions here on the table. Should Steve have been employed at all? Did he need psychological health testing before he went to work? Well, let's look at the idea of robots in the workplace. According to a recent SAP Digitalist Magazine online survey of more than 1,000 people, I'm assuming it was global, 60% said yes, they would want robots robots to help them on the job. So then that raises the question that has been on the tip of everybody's tongues for at least a few years. Which jobs should go to robots versus to humans? And I have a quote from Andrea Kiey, K-E-A-Y, Andra, Managing Director of Silicon Valley Robots. She said, robots are best suited to categories in the four Ds, dirty jobs, dull jobs, dangerous jobs, deadly jobs. Hmm. We have a panel of two experts who are going to help us figure out robots in the workplace. Whose job is it anyway? Welcome to Coffee Break with Game Changers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. It's November 1st in France. That is All Saints Day, La Toussaint. This is episode number 301 of a series we started way back in October 2011, if you can believe that. Let me tell you who our panelists are, and then we'll get started. First up, I am pleased to welcome back Kai Gorlish. He is the chief futurist of SAP. Doesn't get any better than that on this topic. And joining him on the panel is our good friend, Gray Scott, a leading expert in the field of emerging technology and 
visionary futurist board member of the World Futurist Society for Futurists, and he's the host of Futuristic Now, and he'll tell us about that later. So Kai Gorlish has sent me a wonderful quote. Let's see where it's from. It's from, oh my goodness, Dr. Ian Malcolm. Anybody remember the mathematician, 1993 sci-fi Jurassic Park? Played so well, as he always does, by Jeff Goldblum. Here is the quote, four little words, life finds a way. Kai Gorlish, thank you for indulging my long intro there, but I had to read the, the actual press clipping. How are you, Kai? Tell me about your wonderful quote you picked from Jeff Goldblum, a.k.a. Dr. Ian Malcolm. Yeah, I thought this is kind of appropriate because, you know, like in Jurassic Park, life found a way to uh, rather do what life always wants to do, um, you know, do some crazy things that we cannot imagine. And I think maybe robotics will be the same. We will invent some robotics, some algorithms, uh, some clever devices, smart devices, and then these tiny things or large things uh, will become a new life form and start uh, doing their own stuff, and we will be totally surprised. Kai, do you think Steve should have been hired? Do you think he should have had a psychological profile before they put him on a security detail? What's your opinion on Steve? Well, this reminds me of another science fiction, you know, Hitchhiker's Galaxy, where this, uh, where this robot uh, that had nothing to do had a had a psychological problem. Uh, so he, um, you know, he he always said, if you remember, I cannot remember, Marvin. Yes, Marvin. He was depressed, and he always said, you know, what this door will do now. And these these automatic doors always opened and said, thank you for opening me. And he was so depressed about it. He was very smart and totally depressed because he had only to serve the humans. So maybe this is the first sign. Um, on the other hand, I don't know if a robot uh, at, at that stage of development has a personality yet. So I think it was more a mechanical failure. But uh, that may change. So And, and uh, the real question behind it is when, if ever, will robots have a consciousness, of course? Of course, and I have a feeling we're going to find that out from our next guest. Thank you, Kai, and welcome back. It's been way too long since you've been on Game Changes with me, and now let's welcome Gray Scott, our uh, our favorite futurist. He's not at SAP, but he's out there in the world talking about the future, and we always love to hear his point of view. Gray has sent me also a very brief to the point quote. This one is from Hulk Hogan. I don't know if anybody knows Hulk Hogan's real name. By the way, he was born August 11, 1953. His rename, retired American professional wrestler, actor, TV personality, entrepreneur, and musician, uh, regarded as the greatest professional wrestler of all time by many people. His real name is Terry Gene Bolea, B-O-L-L-E-A, if you want to look him up. He is the most recognized wrestling star worldwide and the most popular wrestler of the 1980s. Look him up, Hulk, H-U-L-K, Hogan, H-O-G-A-N. So here's the quote. Everybody's out there wrestling like a robot. Gray, you got to talk to me about this one. How are you, Gray Scott? <laughs> I'm doing well, Bonnie. Thanks for having me back. I'm delighted. I never get quotes from you on media stars like Hulk Hogan. Where in the world, in the world, did, or out of this world, did this come from? Talk to me. Well, you know, you and I have talked uh, many times on the show before about how, as we move into the future, the language of these things will change, right? So what we call robot today in 2045, we won't think of it as the same thing. So it struck me when I, when I came across this quote that when he said this, which was probably the late 80s, I'm assuming, mm-hmm, that he probably. meant that everyone's out there being stiff and being uh, sort of mechanical. 
But if you were to say wrestling like a robot today, my my first instinct was, oh, they're they're efficient. They're wrestling with efficiency. So you can see just by the way we talk about these these machines that they're going to change. So by 2045, if we have machines that can mimic human behavior or mimic uh, love or empathy, that that quote will have a very different um, meaning. Very interesting. So, so the, the meaning is changing as we live through this period. Uh, do you uh, do you want to comment on what Kai said about whether whether the personalities, the personas, the soul of robots, is that here yet or are we still mimicking little bits and pieces of being human, of the persona and the, the caring and the fact that Steve was posing for selfies? Well, somebody programmed that in. Come on, Gray. So, so tell me, what's your thought? And do they need psychological testing? That's what I really want to know, Gray. Well, you know, as we move into the future, these machines are going to mimic human behavior and human psychology uh, to a degree where it gets to a point where we can't tell the difference between what is human and what is mechanical. Uh, Those lines are already starting to blur. Now, as far as, um, you know, a psychological workup or a profile, uh, that's something that I've been talking about in the last couple of years that the psychological community is going to have to incorporate this into the, D- the DSM, which is the manual of um, disorders, because you, you, you don't want a machine that's caring for, for your grandmother or watching your baby to have a psychological problem, even if that is a mimicked human behavior. Now, that, mm-hmm. as of right now, is still a code. It's still an algorithm. But, you know, we're hearing whispers all over the place that machines are just now starting to write their own codes and and change their codes. So what does that mean for a future where a machine may be depressed and may find itself in a situation where it doesn't want to follow the orders? That's true. And and, uh, I'm going to ask first Gray and then Kai, do you think that Steve was just careless or there was a snafu in his programming of all of those cameras and infrared? Or maybe they just didn't code him for beware, water, you could fall in, Mm -hmm. you could get wet, your circuits could get powed. So do do you think it was an accident? Maybe one step down the stairs and he didn't see it? Or how do you think that happened? I don't think he was suicidal. Come on, Gray. What's the real thought here? No, he was suicidal. I think... You know, more than likely, um, it was just a coding error, or it could have been a, a hardware situation where he ran over something and, and fell over. Um, I don't know the details on the specific case, but I do know that if these machines in the future are programmed for self-preservation and knowing that water would kill it, basically, um, they would do everything in their power to avoid those situations. Thank you very much. And what you just said was a very human statement. They would do everything in their power. You, you've humanized mm-hmm. their, their sense of danger, their survival mode, their survival need. You, you just, you just upped the ante on that one, Gray. I have to get Kai's thoughts on this. Kai, do you think Steve was really suicidal or was it a programming glitch, a coding glitch, or maybe he just tripped and fell and boom into the pond and the media was there with flash cameras? What do you think? Yeah, I think. The last, uh, probably, like like a like a kid, you know, it, it it's it's still in infancy. I mean, robotics is uh, or human walking robots at least are. You know, we learn we learn how to to build them and to improve improve their their gates, so to say. And uh, we know that two legged two legged 
animals are really difficult to build. So, uh, but we never, nevertheless, we try to build them according uh, to our shape. But I think it was just a mechanical or some algorithmic failure. So for, for sure not suicidal, but um, as Steve already said, it's, it's a matter of just uh, some years. And, and then the question will be if a frustration, let's call it, if a frustration that something is not working can be somehow felt by, by an algorithm or by a machine uh, program for it, because this is a classical science fiction idea uh, that uh, machines can feel a frustration what we call, of course, call a frustration. I don't know how a robot will feel about it, but um, it must be something like like that in the future. If you if if we really build some some smart machines there. There you go. Uh, so let's talk about both of you now, because as far as I know, you two you two are still human. Um, let me ask you a three questions. Usually, I ask where are you calling from, or where are we calling you? What's in your cup today, or what would you rather be drinking? But I'm going to add: Would you welcome robots in your workplace? And uh, I know you both have very esteemed jobs with a lot of responsibility. You're both bona fide futurists, and you may tend to work alone in those roles. But could you find a role? for a robot. So, Kai, let me ask you, where are you today? What do you love to drink the most? And would you work with a robot? Would you put out a job wreck? I need a robot. Steve's brother, Bob, uh, looks pretty good, and he'll work for $7 an hour. Let's get Bob on the payroll. So, Kai, let's hear what your preference is. Yeah, I'm, I'm working from I'm in Germany. I'm in Germany in Potsdam, which is near Berlin, uh, near the big city, the capital city. Um, I'm drinking water because, you know, I need to, to have a clear mind today. Um, and, of course, I could need a robot. I could need a, need a robot helping me to search all the information I need because that's a, that's a tedious job. And um, I could need a robot helping, helping me to get the connections between all these information pieces. That's a very um, yeah, time-consuming work, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I could speed up. Okay, what would you name your robot? Oh, that's a very difficult question. I even I, don't I know, know that's I why I'm asking it. A, this this yeah, is Game Changers Radio. Male. <laughs> would I think about a male or a female voice? That's the first question, of course. Uh, okay. I, I don't know. Uh, well, probably Marvin is a good, good idea, like the depressed uh, robot from Hitchhiker's Galaxy. That would be, remind me to always have a good mood. <laughs> I like that, Marvin the Robot. Okay, we have a, a job wreck coming soon. Okay, fine. And Gray, the same thing. Where are you? What's your favorite drink in the whole wide world? Don't give me water. I want something more interesting than that. And would you hire a robot? And what would you name or call your robot? So I'm uh, calling you from New York City, um, over on the west side in New York. And I'm drinking coffee this morning with some almond milk. And I think uh, I've been actively looking for a robot arm, actually, for my office. Um, what does that mean? So I can pro- well, just it's just a, a, a robot with an actuator. So it, it's, it looks like a human arm, but it's made, um, you know, obviously it's a robot, robotic arm. But I really just want it to serve me coffee in the morning. <laughs> In the morning. So, <laughs> I mean, that's really. Nice. You, you mean? Wait a minute. You mean Alexa can't do that, and Siri can't do that, and and all of those good uh, yeah. Google Home can't do that, really? Well, see, these are the problems. These are the problems with these these devices that that they're they're stationary and they're just you know 
conversational computers. Yes, I know. Mobile machines. So I really need something that's going to provide a service. And and handing me my coffee in the morning is really all I'm looking for right now. (laughs) So... (laughs) Great. And if you can program a robotic arm to serve coffee, you know where to find me. That is so funny. So all you want is some something to serve you coffee. And, of course, we'll, uh, now here, let's get into some danger zones here, Gray. Will the robot have to test the temperature so it's not too hot for you, but it's pleasingly warm but not cold? So what will Absolutely. the job, it's not just, yeah, so there are a lot of judgment calls for this robot. And what will this robot be named? Here's where we're going to get into trouble here. What will you name the robot that serves coffee? I was thinking XTC for me. <laughs> XTC. <laughs> I've seen that license plate, Gray. I, I, I actually, I drive a Z. Do you have a car, Gray? I know you're in Manhattan. Do you drive? Uh, we, I do have a car, yes. Okay, I I'm a, have a preference for Aziz. I have the 350 now, the last one before it went to the, I think, the 370. Um, and I, I always was looking for vanity plates just to see what people were naming them. And years ago, I saw one on a Z. I've had the, the 1979, the 86, the 93, and now I'm driving the 2008. And it only has 31,000 miles on it because it's in the garage all the time. I need a robot to take the car out for a spin and rev it up a little bit. However... Uh, there was a license plate I saw on the road several years ago, and it was X to Z. You like that one, Gray? X to Z. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool. So you're so you're not going to name it something like Samantha or or Kathy the coffee robot or anything like that. Nothing cute. You're going to go with something serious like X to yeah. <laughs> well, I you know part of me is waiting because there there are some some home robots that I thought were really interesting that have come on the market, um, but they're very limited right now. I mean, to be very serious, the, the ones that I've come encounter, encountered with, uh, they they have very few actuators because actuators are hard, to, you know, arms and bendable limbs and things like that. They're, that's very hard to do and very expensive. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them are just a, like a um, sort of a truncated casing uh, with little wheels on the bottom and a, and a faceplate. And, that to me, I'm not. I'm not willing to spend the money on that yet. I need something that has arms and movable joints. Something that can go answer the door. Uh, this is something that maybe I've talked to you about before, which is the the, the problem with deformation, which is uh, something that the robotics community has been working on. And what that is basically is, I, I can program uh, a robot to understand what a square piece of material is like a towel that's been folded, but the minute that mm-hmm. you unfold that towel or drop it on the floor, it cannot understand that. Now, we're, we're just getting past the deformation issue now. Yeah. I, think it was in my, I think it's MIT that's working on uh, resolving that. There are a couple of robotics companies working on resolving that so that we can have humanoid robots that can do laundry, which you know everybody wants. I guess so. I have to tell you, I'm not among that everybody. I recently moved from a co-op in New York where I had to share a laundry room with a lot of people to a house in Durham, North Carolina, where I have my own washer and dryer, and I am loving it, Gray. So I, I really enjoy doing the laundry. It's just the strangest thing anyway, but that's too personal. Um, I want to tell our audience we are having fun, but it's a very serious topic. I'm talking with Kai Gorlish, Chief Futurist at SAP, and Gray Scott, leading expert in the field of emerging technology and a visionary futurist board member of the World 
Futurist Society. And uh, we'll talk when we come after the break with Gray a little bit about his new show, Futuristic Now, where we can find it. We're talking about a very serious topic. And those of you in our listening audience around the world, we thank you so much for being loyal fans of Game Changers Radio, especially this one, our flagship show, Coffee Break with Game Changers, which we did start October 5th, 2011. So you can do the math. It's six years and a couple of weeks. Very proud of that. This is episode number 301. Uh, You may be in a position where you feel threatened by the opportunity for robots to take jobs. They could be repetitive jobs. They could be low-level jobs. They could be, as as Andrea McKay says in the quote I quoted in the opening, the four Ds, dirty, dull, dangerous, and deadly. Maybe you're in a job that gets you dirty or a job that's dull and boring and repetitive and quote-unquote robotic. We used to use that word that way. Could be dangerous and you'd rather get out of it. It could be deadly and what are you doing in that job anyway? So that could be a good thing, but a lot of people are threatened by the specter of robots taking jobs from humans. So our topic is a very serious one, Robots at Work, Whose Job Is It Anyway? I like that title. I wrote it. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to do a deep dive into this topic. And while we're on the break, why don't you all think about whether you would hire a robot, if you're in a hiring position, to do that, and if you would pay them 7 an hour or more, $7 U.S., like Steve and the other security robots in his building in, in Washington, D.C., Georgetown, uh, or and what you would name your robot if you had the opportunity to do that, and if you would do psychological testing before you put the robot on the job in orientation all that good stuff, and whether the robot can should be able to detect an unfolded towel. We're just going to leave it at that. Gray, I have one note of question for you. Maybe you want to program a drone to deliver your cup of coffee. It would be a lot cheaper and a lot more interesting. Don't spill. There we go. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I promise we'll be right back. Aaron, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com follow the voice america talk radio network on twitter we're at voice america trn you'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows this week's featured guests and general happenings that you should know about at the voice america talk radio network now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office just go to twitter.com forward slash voice america trn or follow along with us at voice america trn the voice america talk radio network We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. 
all from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are. We are back. Got a lawnmower outside my office window here. Hope it's not too noisy. It should stop in a second. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers. We are live here on the web speaking about a very compelling topic, robots at work. Whose job is it anyway? I have two esteemed futurists as my special guests today, Kai Gorlish at SAP and Gray Scott at Gray Scott. And now let's go into our roundtable. We've had a good opening discussion, and both of my panelists have said they would hire a a robot to do work for them if that opportunity arose. Kai's going to start the roundtable, and here's what he told me before the show. Kai says, and I quote, a smart machine won't be considered to be a tool anymore. We've invented tools thousands of years ago, and even animals know how to make tools, but robots will be different as we tend to anthropomorphize things and even more smart-acting robots. There's a lot in that statement, Kai. Why don't you unpack it for me, please? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think that that you know we have a tendency to to uh, see animals or a being in in any anything that is mechanical and acts um, as as if it would be smart. I mean, we usually tend to do these even with our cars, as you as you already pointed out, or with some other tools. Some cars have names. Some some cars are just things. So the tendency that that we have as humans is to put our human emotions into other things. And I think that with robots coming up, acting smart, you, you, you just cannot avoid thinking emotionally about them. I mean, if you ever talk to Pepper, the small, cute-looking robot, you know what I'm up to. It's, it's, you cannot resist, you know, it's, it's looking so cute. And um, with, with high probability, we will do that with all kinds of robots, with, with the mean-looking ones, with the cute-looking ones, even uh, uh, with just helping, helping machines, you know. And uh, this will get us into some problems because um, we will expect from these robots to act like emotionally like we do or to have the same frustrations, the, ha- the same joy and act like we do, although they are just machines. So potentially there will be some misunderstandings. And uh, I think especially if we are talking about work, when, when robots are at work, we have a to learn machine, I think, in the future. We have to learn that, that these machines are smart acting, but not in the way smart that we are smart, that, that we can foresee things that might happen or that we, you know, due to our social glue, act differently from, uh, from time to time. We tend to not stick to our rules anyway, so we bend them according to our needs and to social environment. So this is really tricky, and uh, I really think that this will be, uh, we will probably see lots of fun behavior on YouTube in the future. That's a good premonition. Thank you very much. Gray Scott, love to get your comments on Kai's statement, a smart machine won't be considered a tool anymore. Well, I think, I think that's right. Um, most of what we're going to see in the near future um, are, are people embracing 
these robots, uh, especially humanoid robots, as tools in the beginning. But as they become more human-like, as, as people add skin to them and as those, those uh, structures are able to feel heat and cold and pressure mm-hmm. and feel pain or mimic pain and those types of things, society and our culture and our species, we're going to move towards projecting onto these mechanical things what we are and what we want to be and what we're afraid of. So, you know, a lot of what I've been talking about is we have to think about what we are as a species and where we're going because all of that is going to be reflected in these machines. Technology, as we've talked about before, technology is a mirror. It's a portal inward. And these machines are going to force us to face ourselves Thank you very much. Facing ourselves. What, what do you mean by that, Gray? That sounds like a loaded statement. Face ourselves. What, what humanity are we looking for through our interactions with them, them in quotes? Well, I think we see this <clears throat> in cultures around the world, uh, especially we're seeing a lot of this now with immigration issues. Society and cultures and national uh, pride and things like that, we're, you know, typically we look at people as the other like someone mm-hmm. coming into our tribe and disrupting our tribe, and this is ours, and this is mine, and there's boundaries. Mm-hmm. The world just isn't like that anymore. I mean, we, we live in a global society now, and as these machines begin to emerge, that is another layer to the other effect. And so we have to start to unravel that behavior. Why do we do that? Why do we project our fear? Why do we project our insecurities and our hatreds onto the other, when the other really in this case is just a manifestation of what of our imagination and of our vision of the future. Thank you, Kai. Love to get your thoughts on this. What do you think? Yeah, pretty pretty up to the to the, to the point. I think that's that's very true. I think that's I think we are up to a new renaissance where, where humans are in the focus of, of what we will do in the future again, but just due to the possibility that we have with technology now. So I think the, the analogy of a mirror is precisely what I'm feeling the same. So when, when, I'm, when we discuss what robots may do, we are actually talking about what the value of human life is. Uh, what kind of work do we want to do? Do we, do we have to work? Do we need actually work? What kind of work? Um, what about our empathy, creativity? Because we're just afraid that it is taken away. And in the last decades, we have not given much thought about it. And mm-hmm. I find it especially interesting, uh, Gray, your comment uh, about, about uh, immigration and migration. Uh, I haven't thought about it, but, but that's, that's a spooky coincidence that we see lots of um, backlash on migration and an increasing robotization of the world. So maybe these two have more in common than I thought about. That's very interesting. Interesting. Gray, you want to comment on that, please? I do, actually, and I'm glad that, um, that you said that because the, the psychologist Carl Jung would say that this is not a coincidence, that we are all sort of emerging into a new realm uh, of the unconscious becoming conscious. And so it's not a coincidence that you're seeing this. I mean, literally, this is a new species that we're birthing. It's not a coincidence that we see this 
at the same time that we see all the things that are happening in our world. There is a mm-hmm. connection there. And I think companies creating these machines, if they don't have someone in their company thinking in that, in, in that way about these machines, they're going to make a lot of mistakes. Coding them, building them, you know, implementing them. So we have to be very mm-hmm. careful about yeah. how we create these machines. Very. And, and, Gray, I think you and I have discussed this on a previous show perhaps last year about who designs, who codes, who decides what they think, what they quote-unquote feel, how they respond, their level of humanity. Somebody is making those judgment calls. I think you, we, we know that. Humans are coding these. So in whose image do we want them? And are they the good guys and gals or are they the bad guys and gals? Now, let me make a little sidebar here. I looked up robotic startups and I found a website called angel.co slash robotics. And I'm looking at a list of, oh, at least 30 different companies here. Uh, Gray and Kai, are you familiar with any of these? Are these uh, investable? Any any comments on these? I think, Gray, you were the one who mentioned we're going to see more and more robotic startups. Anything you want to say on that, Gray? Well, SoftBank obviously is is leading the way uh, with Pepper, and their business model is really interesting. They they sort of use the cellular uh, business model because that's their background. Um, where you can, I think the 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 latest version of Pepper, you can actually buy it for a very low price, but then you pay uh, a monthly premium, and then it, it gets automatic updates and things like that. So mm-hmm. they're sort of following a, a cellular sort of mobile. Um, way of implementing this robot, which I think is really smart, actually, because people can't afford the heavy upfront costs. Uh, but you also have people, you know, you have Honda, uh, Asimo, you have, um, you have uh, Boston Dynamics, you, you have a lot of companies that are building the hardware, which is the complicated part of this. Uh, I think software in a lot of ways is easier. Uh, but getting a machine with legs and arms and a head and a torso mm-hmm. to balance on rocks is is not an easy task. No. And so, <laughs> I mean, and, and I, I do want to mention this too, and this is uh, just something that came out, I think it was about a week ago. There's actually a new um, a stock fund that is run by an AI. And I'm not sure if you guys have heard about this, but I've been looking into this because I think this is so interesting that we're finally getting to a place now where we're starting to use the soft, the robotic sort of AI software to pick stocks. And so this is not just about serving coffee or folding clothes or taking mm-hmm. care of children or working in a factory. We're talking about an entire, I love the word renaissance. That's the perfect word for this era. We are reinventing our world right now. And, and in a way that I'm not sure any of us are really ready for. And, and Gray, I looked up AI that picks stocks better than the pros. I actually found an article from June 10th, 2010, seven mm-hmm. years ago. A computer science professor uses textual, textual analysis of articles to beat the market. The ability to predict the stock market is, as any Wall Street quantitative trader known as quant will tell you, a license to print money. So it should be of no small interest to anyone who likes money that a new system that works in a radically different way than previous automated trading systems schemes, I like that word, appears to be able to beat Wall Street's best quantitative mutual funds at their own game. It's called Arizona Financial Text System, or AZ FinText. Very interesting. Is this the one you were talking about, or something newer than that, Gray? 
No, this came out last week because um, I was just I was researching it last week. It's called AIEQ. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a fund, and it's it, it's using AI to pick the stocks for the fund. Here it is, AI powered uh, equity. Yep, it's here. It's trading at twenty four point nine one one six. Yeah, it's open and it's on the uh, marketwatch.com. Anybody can look it up. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And you can actually get it on E-Trade or, oh my, very interesting. Kai, we have to get you in on this. Any thoughts about investing in, in AI stock pickers? What do you think? Um, actually, my thought is that, uh, that I uh, read an article in Nature some years ago where they said that uh, stock traders behave like sheep behave when, when they are threatened. So they all run into the same direction. So maybe this bot knows more than humans know about trading then. Um, the problem starts when, when uh, we discussed this already. All these algorithms are somehow programmed by humans. So they're not without bias. And uh, if you yeah. add a bias on top of a bias, this may, may you know, cancel each other out or you run into a big failure. And we have this financial crisis already. So I, I'm, you know, I'm a little bit uneasy about it because this is a, is a big risk that, that things run out of our control. Um, and I don't know how to control it, basically, because, you know, algorithms will be everywhere. Yeah, very, very true. And and on that note about controlling, and I'm going to move to a topic in Gray's list here. We are having a really interesting conversation, uh, and and I appreciate the flexibility of both of you to go in and out of our, our original topic of robots at work, and we're talking about all of the ancillary things that will make that happen. Uh, Gray, you mentioned in your notes here, robot versus human purpose, and you say, what will our purpose be in a future filled with advanced robots? I believe we will be the caretakers and companions for this machine, these machines. And Gray, this reminds me, harking back a few years, to the movie Her. And you might want to reference that if you've seen it. So go ahead, Gray. What will the purpose be and how pervasive will robots be that will need to take care of them? Who will be the caretakers? Well, that That was a deep sigh. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, this is primarily the heart of of my work as a futurist is, is trying to figure out what the next stage uh, for our species will be and what our purpose will be. And I have circled this for a very long time, and I think people are really starting to um, question this now Now that they're starting to see their jobs go away. Because a lot of people, their purpose, good or bad, in their life is, is work. It's their job. And it doesn't matter if it's driving a truck. It doesn't matter if it's going to a factory. A lot of people find their purpose in that mm-hmm. act, even if it's not fulfilling oh, yeah. in a lot of ways. And so my question uh, to the audience and to both of you is, you know, what will the human purpose be in 2045 if there are very few jobs? And part of what I think is happening and, and what we're starting to see is that we're, we're seeing a migration back to the handmade. We're, 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 see, we're, we're moving back towards... Um, creativity. We're moving back towards what humans are really good at, which is the the things that machines still can't do very well. You know, the idea of, and I'm not saying that machines can't paint or robots can't paint because we we've seen this. We've seen examples of peop- of, of robots being able to paint portraits and and all these amazing things. But the idea that it is your purpose to create something, to make mm. something with your hands in the future. 
when we can set a factory up to, to make anything we want with machines in the future, why, what's the purpose of going to make a toaster anymore? You know, that, that, there can be no human purpose in that. So the purpose, I think, is going to shift back to the vision, the dreaming, the, the idea that we are here to serve each other. We are here to find out, you know, what the other, going back to that, that reference, we're, we're here on this planet right now to find out what the other is feeling. We're, we're here to find out what the other is, is learning and knowing. And so most of, most of us find the most joy in our lives once you get past the money, once you get past the business, once you get past all of this. The most joy that we find typically are those moments we spend with, with the people that we love and that we uh, admire. And so I think that's where we're moving towards. Hopefully, we won't uh, disrupt that movement with bad algorithms and greedy algorithms, and, and that is my hope. Well, that could have been our closing crystal ball prediction there, Gray. I hope you're you're gonna you can rephrase that one if you want at the end. I don't know that if was I can a top be- that, Bonnie. <laughs> I don't know either. That was a beautiful wish for the future. I think you really summed it all up. <laughs> Let's talk about purpose. Kai Gorlish, you're in the field as well. What do you think about the purpose of humans? Will we be designated care will we have to apply to qualify to be the caregivers, caretakers for our robots? Kai, that's a huge question. What do you observe? Yeah, first of all, I think that, that purpose is the ultimate question of the future. So we are right on track, I think, um, even for businesses. And um, as I said earlier, it's, it's difficult because we, 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 Gray already said it, most people have find their purpose in work, which is neither good nor bad. It's just the facts. Um, so if, if all these tedious jobs will be gone, what do we do? Usually, I think most most uh, people are rather creative, so most people will find an answer to it. So I'm fully betting on our creativity to do something else, and most people have ideas about it. So I'm not so so pessimistic about that we don't, don't find alternatives. I'm more pessimistic about if we can change the economy fast enough uh, to to let us do all the things we want to do. But that's a, that's another discussion. Um, yeah, I think that's, that purpose is the, the, the ultimate frontier here. We had this purpose in, in the past, and now that machines take over, basically what is left, uh, as Gray already said, creativity. We know that robots can be kind of creative, but this is not the kind of creativity uh, that, that I see is human. It's, it's this persistence to do, to do quality, to, to strive for something really new that, that society thinks is new and not just mimicking uh, to paint a, a picture. And all these algorithms that we see now, if it's music or painting, they, they basically calculate from millions of human, uh, human create, creative pieces. So it's not creativity per se. It's a mimicked creativity. If, and mm-hmm. if algorithms or robots will ever be creative in our meaning has to be seen, but uh, finding this purpose is a huge task, I, I think. And um, if we fail, uh, the, the whole robotics idea may run a little bit, may, may become awkward, and uh, we will get into many, many social disruptions, I think. So this is a very, very huge topic, yes. Very, and that's that's why we're here talking about it. This could be, uh, Kai, here's a little hint for you. We could do a whole radio series next year on uh, changing the game with robotics if you're interested. 
I don't think yeah. we would run, run out of topics. Uh, Twelve episodes. I can talk to you offline about what's involved because we're looking for series commitments now. But I think that would be fascinating. There's so many parts of innovative technology that would come to play into that conversation. So we can talk about that. So let's look at some more topics here. Let's see. Uh, oh, interesting. Kai, I'm looking at your list of topics here. We have a little bit of time left. More Iron Man than Terminator. Kai says, quote, my bet is on co-working robot suits and ideas like that instead of automating all work with human-like robots. We still need a knack for quality, creativity, which you just mentioned, problem-solving, and supervision for a while. I want to know how long is that while. Kai, talk to me about more Iron Man, the Terminator. I like that. Yeah, actually, when, when I started thinking about robotics, you know, the first thing that comes into your mind is, of course, the Terminator and what I call the Terminator scenario. So uh, we will sit in, all humans will be in a zoo because the machines found out that we ruined the world and they let us just hang around in a, in a, in a zoo and, uh, and they run the, the show on themselves. Um, that's a dystopian view, of course. I think collaborating with robots and working with them is a much nicer idea. I don't know if, the, if humankind will walk that path uh, because, you know, you can see all the directions now, many, many directions now that we will take, if totally independent robots, just soft bots, software bots, and uh, the classical robots that we are talking about. So we will, we will not know within uh, 10 years. But um, I think it makes a lot of sense for the economy and society to start collaborating to use these robots to improve our work and our life and not to replace our work and life, uh, hopefully. But that's, uh, um, that's my hope, actually, and, and uh, the moral scenario and, and the hope. So uh, hopefully this will be, this will be the future. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm for, for the preferred future, no, not for the dystopian ones, because, you know, yep. I'm, I'm an optimistic person. Otherwise, I would have given up futuring all, all along. Good. Very, very good distinction. I like that, the optimistic future. Gray, you want to talk about that? And Gray, uh, before we run out of time, I want to make sure I, I give you a chance to tell us about what futuristic now is. You want to do that in your closing comments in the crystal ball, Gray? Can we save yeah, that? Absolutely. Okay, so, so t- t- talk about Iron Man versus Terminator for robots. Go ahead. Well, I think we're touching on something that um, is at the heart of this conversation, which is the economy is tied directly to what's about to happen, and our purpose is tied directly to this robotic revolution. So the one thing that that I have seen throughout my life is that most people – never get a chance to really figure out what they are really good at. Um, that has a lot to do with their economic situation. So a lot of people go out and they get a job out of necessity, and sometimes they just fall into that and they never figure out what they're good at or what their calling is. I mean, a lot of people don't have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. I think the, this robotic revolution will give people a chance to step back a little bit, especially if we find a new economic structure that supports people like basic universal income or some, some form of that uh, process. That will allow people to figure out, oh, I'm really good at nursing. I'm really good at art. I'm really good at listening. I'm really good at whitewater rafting, <laughs> whatever it is that you find is your passion and that, you're, that you would do for free. I mean, I always tell people, mm-hmm. you know, find out what you would do for free and do that. Um, that passion will become our purpose in the future. 
Interesting. Okay. Uh, Kai, you want any comments you want to add to that one? We still have a little more time. <clears throat> no, I think that's, that's ex- exactly. And the, the, the point is, the, uh, the important uh, sentence here is that people have had no, no chance to find out what they are really good at. And I think that's, that's a very creative and optimistic view. You know, there is an opportunity in all of this. And uh, I, try, I try to get us into the more op- uh, opportunistic view, but that's difficult. If, for the moment, we are, we are afraid that robots take, take our jobs. And if you read about automatic um, companies or automatic production, you can, can feel the breath, the icy breath of jobless society in your neck. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mm. um, in, 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 but, but there is an opportunity. You can finally find, find out what you're good at, like running in a cafe or whatever, and you could do <clears> it in theory. The, the, the fundamental question is here, if we can steer the economy that way, or if we are still stuck in an in a kind of egoistic um, business mentality where I take the most of everything and, and basically, you know, just uh, improve my success on, on, you know, at the expense of, of many people. And uh, I think we have to steer away from that future because it's, it won't work. Kai, be, before we go to our predictions, and we're just about there, but there are just two of you on the panel, two major people on the panel, but I, I think we have a minute for this. One more I want to talk about is robot sports leagues. Oh, my. You sent me a link. I went there. USA wins giant robot brawl, leaves people wanting more. And it, the, the caption, and this was just printed on, uh, posted on October 18, 2017, just a couple weeks ago on newequipment.com. And it says, Megabots finally aired its fight with Japan, which offered surprises, devastation, and ultimately a solid proof of concept for a giant robot sports league. I've never heard of this. So <laughs> give me one one or two sentences on, is this the future of sports? Uh, Kai, you start with this, and then Gray, I'd love your comments, and then we'll go to predictions. Maybe we're already in predictions. Kai, what's what's up with this? Yeah, it could be that this is the future of sport, or at least we, we see that that uh, the the idea of cyborging something or of a, of a of a mix of human and robotics capabilities is around the corner already, and uh, it proves that science fiction has uh, unfortunately or fortunately taken away all all of our nice ideas here already. So I think that that we have not we have not talked about it, but um, if you see what we can do now in in around um, performance, performance-enhancing technologies and cyborging basically humans, we may end up with sports looking totally different where, where you find a human league, so without improvements and a league with lots of improvements. And why not robots? This is a logical step, I think. So, yeah. Why not? Gray, robots, sports, competitive sports, combative <laughs> sports. Gray, you aware of this? Are you you're going to be at ringside? Tell me fast because we're ready for predictions. Go ahead. Yeah, we wrote about this on uh, grayscott.com, the, the competition and how this is going to progress in the future. So it, it's a really, I mean, this is something that I would be interested in watching uh, just because it, it moves the robotics industry forward to be able to compete. Uh, there's money there, so you, you put money in behind these companies. So it's a fascinating wow. idea. Wow. Gray, tell us in 60 seconds, what is futuristic now? I should have asked you in the beginning. I apologize. But what do you do there? So futuristic now is a new web series that I'm uh, hosting and uh, 
basically, the show starts in January. It's really easy to find. You just go to YouTube and search Gray Scott. And I have my channel set up there. And uh, it's going to be a weekly show. There will also be live um, broadcasts so that the, the audience can ask questions and we can talk about a lot of the subjects that you and I have talked about on the show. The deeper side of um, the future, the sort of digital philosophy of the future. Very interesting. I wish you all the best, and I know you'll be back with us on Game Changers. So let's go to uh, Kai, officially, Crystal Ball. I can give you 60 seconds. That's all I have. Give me a really, really tight, succinct preview, a prediction, Kai Gorlich, of what robots in the workplace will mean. Let's let's focus on 2020. It's not that far off. What do you think, Kai? 60 seconds, all yours. Okay, so in 2020, I think what we will see is robots serving us coffee and, and dinner during our working time, and we will see robots working in the background, so like software-based robots organizing our calendars, our meetings, and our emails, hopefully, so emails will go away and will be completely organized, and we will see the first robots in our streets already, so the, basically the extensions of what we now call drones, delivering uh, something, um, doing the shopping for us, the first shopping bots walking or running or wheeling around, I don't know, maybe even flying around, it depends. Uh, so we will see um, robots starting to be companions in our daily life, um, much on, on the daily routine task, I think, and not so much on what we discussed here on the very futuristic uh, things, so not self self-acting, self-thinking, um, independent beings, but I would say companions for the daily routines. I like that, sort of, kind of. I have to figure what well, I'm going to name my robots. Gray Scott, I'm giving you the last 60 mm-hmm. seconds. That's all I have, and they're all yours. Predict, please, go. So I agree with Kai. I think we're going to see all of those, but on top of that, uh, I think what's happening is we're, we're moving into the conversational era with these machines so that We're not typing anymore. We're not looking at a screen anymore. We're going to see machines, whether those are humanoid uh, machines or just a robotic arm with some sort of microphone and speaker, or if it's an Alexa or Siri, all of those things are going to keep evolving to a place where we can have uh, narrative conversations. So right now, Siri is, you know, make make an appointment, do this, do this you know, search something, but I want Siri in the future. And I think this is where we're headed, where it can ask me questions in a narrative fashion. So that narrative computing future is where we're headed. Thank you very much. Very interesting. I have really enjoyed this conversation. Kai, thank you so much for joining me. It's been way too long, and we will talk about a robotic series. Wouldn't that be fun? Gray, I want to wish you all the best with Futuristic Now. I will be tuning in and listening very eagerly, and, of course, we'll have you back. And let's see what we've got now. Uh, tomorrow is Life Sciences, Changing the Game in Life Sciences. I'll be here on the Business Channel 10 a.m. Eastern, and we'll be talking about another interesting topic. I think we're focusing on Pharma. You don't want to miss that one. So I want to say thank you again to Kai Gorlish, to Gray Scott, to Aaron, our engineer. 
And here we go. It's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt, but Gray and Kai, maybe there'll be a robot to fasten the seatbelt for you. Bonnie, do you want it a little tighter? Do you want it looser? Do you want the blue seatbelt today? You want the pink one? You want the sparkly one? Well, we could have all those choices as long as we get on the road on time. So what are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Just like Kai Gorlis, just like Gray Scott, our two very favorite futurists. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. We'll be right back.